Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Thanks, Temi. Um, today's reading comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20, and chapter 29, verses 5 to 9. David also said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service on the temple of the Lord is finished. And then Chronicles uh, chapter 29, verse 5 to 9. Now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of the family, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work on the temple of God, 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold. 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave to them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoice at the willing response of their leaders, for they have given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Tash. Want to put our hands together for Tash. Um, so good to see you. Welcome. Welcome those of you watching online. Um, we, I'd love you to keep that passage to mind. Keep it um, handy if you've got a Bible with you or in your phone. Um, and we are going to come back to that in a moment. It's great to see you if you're visiting. I just met two people here for the first time tonight. If you're here um, or watching for the first time today, we're really excited you're here. And let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for this community. Thank you for Vision Sunday, for Gift Sunday. We pray tonight that you would speak to each one of us of the freedom and hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, welcome. And tonight is part two of our vision series. If you're new, it's a perfect one to come to because you should have a few things on your chair. One is an autumn update. And if you're online, you'll be able to click on the link right now and find um, a link to where you can view this online. But this has a little update on all that's going on in the life of the church. It's got some fun stats. It's got pictures. It's got pie charts. It's got everything you want in a handout. So there you are. Have a little look at that. It's really fun. And then also you should have with you a gift card. That's because tonight we're taking up an offering a little bit later um, towards the next chapter of this church's story. And I guess if you're a visitor, you'll be like, oh no, what are the chances I've come to church on the one week where they like talking about the money? Um, please don't panic. And no one's gonna like lock the doors or force you to give. Think of this as just like a regular offering that we do um, each Sunday at church. But if you're a member of Saint and you're part of the family here, uh, this is kind of like a family meeting. Uh, and in a sense, it's for everyone because even if you're not, if you're very new to church, you'll get a little bit of our DNA. You'll get a little bit of our understanding of where we're going, what we're heading. Because, you know, um, if you wanna know what, um, what your, well, I guess the, the, the sort of stuff that we read about here, the, the numbers, uh, the money, it's kind of like our theology in numbers. Like if you follow the, where we, we put ourselves and what we care about, Lighthouse, um, looking after young people, all that kind of stuff, it tells you a lot about the heart of this community and the amazing impact you're all having. And it's really hard to kind of um, summarize in like a few minutes what is happening here because it's kind of really special. And it's sort of, I guess this tells one part of the story, but I'd love you to have a little look at the screens for a little update on what's been going on in this community over the last year. So have a little look at this. Come on, that's so good. Our vision as a church is really simple, to bring hope to the people of East London. That's why we're here. And uh, some of people will say to me, oh, we love the vision of this church, but how can we get involved? What can we do to, to kind of play our part to make a difference? And there are really three things. Number one, just come. 
Everyone coming, playing their part. Sundays, connect groups. Come and find a place where you can belong to pray, to be together. Uh, currently, there are 201 people in connect groups. And if you're not in a connect group, can I encourage you to fill in one of these? It should be on your seat, hand it in as you go tonight. We would love everyone to find a place where they can be uh, loved, looked after, known, needed, and, and kind of feel at home. Second thing is we love to encourage everyone to find a place where they can help where they can make a difference. And I wanted to give you some updates on our crews. We have uh, incredible teams who volunteer across the life of the church. And right now, as we kind of come out of the end of like the pandemic, there is so much life and so much growth. You look through the numbers here, they're amazing. We've grown 28% in the last, um, well, like, like since yesterday, it feels, in the last year. Things have started to grow, but we would love your help. For example, the production team, uh, currently have 10 people who help out in production and they are amazing. Can we give it up for our production team? We love you guys. But in an average month, they need about 30 to run production. So that means they've got 20 spaces. Media, same thing. We have eight people helping. We have 10 spaces. The stream team who are broadcasting right now, 10 spaces. Check this out. Kids and Hey Baby. Literally hundreds of young people impacted each week. We've had to grow um, more spaces over the road. We're running out of space fast. Right now, the kids team need 89 people to help out each week. They've got 39 who come and help out regularly. And that means they've got a gap of 50 people. Could that be you? Could you come once a month and help make an impact on young people's lives? Or youth, similar picture, 16 spaces. Worship, we, on an average month, need 160 people to be involved in worship. We currently have um, 75, which are amazing. They're incredible. But could we help them out? Could you come? 85 spaces in the worship team. Lighthouse, 25 spaces. Sunday's team, again, in this service, we know we need lots of help. Welcome people, make people feel at home. Again, 75 spaces. The Gardens Cruise, 11 spaces. I could go on. You can read all about it here. But can I encourage you with this? Find a place where you can join in because it will change your life. It'll make you feel radically different. It'll move you from being a consumer to being a contributor, and it'll change the dynamics of your relationships. So that's the second way, everyone helping. And then the third way is everyone giving. And today's a good day to talk about it because it's our gift day. We do this twice a year. We have a little season. We look at where we're going. And it's a chance for us to update where we've been, where the finances are, and how we can all play our part. And this gift day, the number, as the vision gets bigger, the kind of numbers involved get bigger. And that's because we are unashamed about wanting to serve the needs of the people in East London. And you've done this the most remarkable ways. If you look at this, it'll give you some idea of the data. But during the lockdowns, you fed 440,451 meals so far to the people of East London. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? And does anyone think that's good? I think that's nuts. That's nearly half a million meals this church have given away for free to those in need. But as you know, food costs money. There's no such thing as a free lunch, literally. So that's us giving of ourselves, pouring ourselves out to help others. And I wanted to, um, to share a little bit of the... Um, the cost of that and where we're heading. And so I've asked our treasurer, Josh, who's far more sensible than me. He's an accountant uh, for one of the big accountancy firms and along with Graham, our other treasurer, uh, is kind of in charge of our finances. And they've set us this target along with our church wardens. Um, they've figured out the gap between what's coming in, the income of the community and the need that we're trying to serve and the need that we're trying to give away is £387,000 between now and the next gift day in six months' time. 
And that may sound like a huge number to you, or it may sound like a small number. Uh, the point is, it's God's maths to work out. You know, we, all we have to do as a community is be obedient to him. He'll work out. He'll make a plan. We are confident that we trust in God and God will provide. But we have to do our bit. And so I wanted to share, um, first up, some of the myths around giving. Here are five myths that people might say about saint. Well, number one, oh, saint is such a wealthy church. As I shared last week, you know, people sometimes say, oh, you, your back of your stage is gold. When you did the building up, you did it. I had to kind of let people down slowly, but that was there, that's been there for quite a, a few decades. It's been there since the 1950s. Nine years about that. That's really old. The rest of the building we've done up. We're still paying it off. But we're here to give ourselves away. In fact, you'll see from the spreadsheet, from the, um, the pie chart here, that actually our income is less than what we give away of ourselves, the cost of ministry and mission. In other words, we give away everything and plan to give away absolutely everything that comes in we're not holding on to cash we're not trying to build up reserves in fact we only keep a minimum amount of reserves that are required by the charity commission and that's deliberate because we never want to be in a place where we're not dependent on God to provide for what we're doing so in a sense the reserves of the church are in your pockets that keeps us all accountable it means we can't kind of like build up some great big fund like bank account with millions of pounds in it and then never pay attention to what God's doing we have to keep dependent on God. And so I'm really excited to stand up here every six months and say, hey guys, we can't keep the lights on unless every one of us plays our part because that's healthy, it's dependent on God. So myth number one, we are a wealthy church. Not true. Myth number two, the way we run gigs. Don't the gigs pay for everything? Don't they bankroll? Uh, you know, when you have like Ed Sheeran paying here. I wish that was true. But the gigs and events do not pay for the ministry of the church. In fact, the net income, the net sort of when you take away the expense of running a gig here, the net income in this period is just about the same as the cost of paying for the utilities across Saint, the gas bill. So we don't run events to make money. They don't make a huge amount of money. We run events because we believe that culture is important to God. And we believe that when we open our doors and we invite people to come in here, that's part of our mission. Because it's easy to come back to church if you know that you're not going to get like, you know, booed when you walk in the door. If you come in for a gig and it's like, great, you think, oh, I might come back for a Sunday. It's going to be fun. Number three, third myth, that the Church of England bankrolls us. Not true. It's the other way around, actually. We contribute into the central part of the Church of England willingly, and we love to do that. It's part of our mission as a church. And you'll see that we give a lot of what we do away here. And then fourthly, Fourth myth, the numbers are so large that my contribution cannot make a difference. And again, that's not true. Every single penny counts. Every single one of us can play our part. So don't let yourself be robbed of the dignity of being involved in this mission generously. Fifth myth, God can't be trusted with my money. Not true. Well, to start with, everything that you and I have belongs to God. It's not our money at the end of the day we can't take it with us we weren't born with it and we won't die when we go to heaven we can't take our bank account with us so while it's not our money God also doesn't need your money think about this for a moment he doesn't go oh I'm in a bit of a fix you know I'm a bit tight for cash you know there's not like four changes of chancellor going on in heaven right now the earth, it says in the book of Psalms, is the Lord's and everything in it. In other words, the whole universe and everything in it belongs to God. 
So God doesn't wake up thinking, oh, energy prices are going up, because everything belongs to him. And so there's no financial crisis in heaven. The question is, how are we going to play our part in meeting the needs of the vulnerable in a time when they are absolutely urgent? And the church has a unique role in doing that. We always have since the beginning, and that's our calling. And we're following God's call in that. And so God can be trusted with our money. Jesus says this, where your treasure is, your heart will also be. Jesus spends a huge amount of time talking about money. We don't tend to talk about money the whole time. I'm not one of these guys who stand up every week, every time I preach and give the, like, the, the money to it. We do it a couple of times a year. And that's because partly we're British and it's deeply embarrassing to talk about money. Except recently it's become the thing that we spend our whole time talking about, if you notice. The whole media cycle right now is spending its time talking about money. But also, you know, we, we trust that God is able to take what we have and use it in such a way that can have a huge impact on the world around us. And here's the thing, if God's message for your life is liberating, think of Jesus' message for you in the area of freedom from shame. I mean, how liberating is his message? How radical is the good news and the grace of God? You don't have to perform, that you're loved, that you're accepted, that everything is gonna be okay when you put your trust in him. That message is powerfully liberating. Shouldn't it also be true that Jesus' message and teaching around our money should also be incredibly liberating and free? Of course it should be. So for that reason, we don't have to be afraid of trusting God with our finances. So uh, Josh, who's one of our treasurers, has done a little video that we're playing across all the services across this little vision and gift moment. Uh, right across, we have 10 services meeting in person today. And here's Josh with an update on our finances. And if you're um, like accountant-minded, you could follow a little bit along in the spreadsheet, uh, in the pie chart of what you've got in front of you here. But have a little look at Josh with an update on our finances. Hey, it's Josh Alomalo, one of the treasurers here at Saint, with an update on our finances as a church this autumn. Saint is one church meeting across multiple parishes around the city, and our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London in Jesus' name. To make this vision a reality in practical terms, we depend on every one of our members playing their part. With my numbers hat on, let me get a bit technical and tell you a little bit about the cost of making this vision a reality. Our projected expenditure as same across all our locations is £2,169,000. This is the total cost of the ministry and mission of the church, including our pastoral care, work with young people, lighthouse, alpha, bills, buildings, operations, that's the cost of making the vision a reality. Then against this cost, we are currently anticipating income of £1,782,000. This is made up of planned, regular giving, projected income and existing support towards this vision. So that means our giving target today is £387,000. That's the gap between the cost of the vision and making this vision a reality. This is an extraordinary time in history for the church to be courageously generous. Thousands are looking to us for hope at this moment. Our services have grown 28% in the past year as we welcome new people. We look after hundreds of young people each week, vulnerable people. The vision is currently supported by 364 of our members who give regularly. The average amount given each month is £230 
and that works out at £83,720 a month, leaving a monthly gap of £64,500 per month over the next six months. That's why your regular giving can make such a difference. Whether it's increasing your current gift to beat inflation or starting to give regularly today, our prayer is that as every one of us plays our part, we'll see the gap close and this vision become a reality. And of course, every penny makes a huge difference. Even a small regular gift of just a few pounds buys a hot meal for someone in need at Lighthouse. Can I encourage you to be generous today? Please fill in the cards on the seats or visit saint.church forward slash give where you can update your regular giving, give a one-off gift or set up a brand new regular gift today. Together, we can do this. We can make a huge difference. We can see hope change lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. Why don't we encourage Josh? So good. So tonight's talk is titled as follows, How to Give Courageously. How to Give Courageously. We live in a time which is dominated by fear in the area of our finances. Cost of living, mortgage rates, energy bills. But as Christians, we are not called to live as people defined by fear. We're not slaves to fear. Instead, we're called to live full of faith, full of hope, called to live differently. And that's about priorities. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Either you'll serve God or you'll serve money. We have to put God in the first place in our finances in order that we might experience freedom. We don't want to be captive, slaves to fear. The truth is there are moments when fear can kind of rob us of that sense of freedom in our finances. Maybe your like energy bill comes through or your bank statement comes through or your like statement from your credit card. You think, oh my goodness, last month was really expensive. Let me tell you this. God wants you and I not to be afraid of our finances, not to be held captive by our finances, but instead to experience freedom. But to do that, it involves courage. Let me use an analogy from the last week. Last Sunday was part one of our vision series and we've been prepping for it as a team. The volunteers have been turning up, praying. The kids work already over the, the road. It was all huge, exciting weekend. And then on Sunday morning, the first thing that happened in the morning is I got a phone call from one of our team to say, bad news, we've been broken into. A burglar has got in overnight, 4 a.m. We saw him on the CCTV. He's taken loads of the stuff from the church. He's taken the kids' computers, like kids check in, the kids' like computer to run kids work over the road. He's taken the iZettel machines for like gift day, like a nightmare. And the person running the kids' work was in tears. Everyone was feeling really depressed. It was like the nightmare of the way to kind of start vision day. And um, this is despite like having a great burger alarm, like having CCTV, having like locks, like a new building and everything. And, Turned out this guy had been burgling loads of the buildings around here. In fact, in the blocks over there, there'd been four reported burglaries in the last month. So it's not particularly new. And people were starting to be quite afraid of this, living in fear of being robbed and having stuff stolen from them. And then on Wednesday, 
uh, John, who's one of our caretakers, and Nate, who's one of our pastors, Nate um, and John, were, were kind of standing outside church house, and John was having a cup of tea, and he noticed this guy walk past, and he thought, I recognize that guy. And then he realizes, he's like, no, it's the burglar. And then he goes, I'll just check my phone. So he gets his phone out, scrolls back, finds the CCTV. He's like, it's definitely him. To make things worse, he realises the burglar is carrying John's backpack that he nicked from the offices, the cheek of it. He's like, that's my backpack. So Nate, he goes, Nate, let's go. So they go over and they detain him. Now, John is an ex-policeman. Don't nick an ex-copper's backpack. Right, so... Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I have no credit in this. But um, Nate, Nate, like, like, that took courage. They had to detain this guy who was not happy about being busted. And he's quite a big guy, wasn't he? Really bigger than you and John. I mean, like, you know, you know, he was a really big guy. And so they called the police. They held on to this guy. They said, you're not going anywhere. You've got my backpack. You've been on camera. You've stolen the laptop. You've stolen the Izettles. You're not going anywhere. And within a few minutes, brilliantly, the police turned up with lots of squad cars. And you know, they turned up and they were like, oh, you've been looking for him everywhere. He's a burglar. Thanks so much. They got him in the back of the van. They opened up the backpack. And they found in the backpack swag, like proper swag, like jewelry and like electrical goods and all that kind of stuff. I wanted, I came over, Zach called me up and said, they've got the burger, come on over. So I raced over and I got here and I was like to Lisa, hello, I'm the vicar. I'd, l- I'd love to have a chat with the burglar. You know, I could perhaps pray for him. And they were like, trust me, vicar, trust me, Rev, you do not want to get in the back of the van with this guy. He is really cross about being busted. In the same way, so often we live in fear of our finances somehow robbing us. That, that, you know, we walk around like in fear that, that God can't be trusted with our finances, that our finances are something we need to be afraid of, that we need to be kind of living in fear and, and kind of hiding away and, and panicking about our money. But the truth is God wants us to be free in the area of our finance. And to do that, just like John and Nate had to confront that which was robbing us physically, it involves courage when you think about how you act generously in moments like this. We have to give generously in order to be free of the fear of our finances. And in the passage we've had read for us today, this illustrates brilliantly, and thanks Tash for reading that, the the way that we can be free in our finances. And I want you to look at this with me again. God is talking to his people about building a spiritual home, literally a temple. And in today, what we believe is that the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You and I, people who believe in God, God is using to bring hope on the face of the earth in, in our own way, playing our part in that. So wherever you are in your work, whatever you do, you have an opportunity to be like an embassy for God. He wants to build you up so that you might bring hope. And this is what God says. Verse 20, David says to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. But David continues now, Verse 29, chapter 29, verse 5. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Notice that word consecrate. It means to like set apart. David's like, who's willing to like go all in, to set themselves apart for the Lord today? 
And then the response is this, the next verse. And the, the leaders of the families and the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. In other words, the leaders began to lead. You know, every one of you is a leader. You will influence people in your life. You may manage people in your work. Even in the way that you relate to your friends, the way you walk in the room, the way you help and encourage, the way you relate to your family, your children, your parents, your, your, your surrounding, your peers, you will have an impact on those around you. And there's something about leading with courage in moments like this that can help start a chain reaction in the culture, that can really change things. And so look what happens next. The people, verse 9, rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given notice freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. People say to me sometimes, you know, hey, um, we love church. We love the vision of the church. We want to be involved. We want to make a difference. How can we help? Where, where can we help? And all week I've had messages from people saying, you know, we love where we're going. We want to be involved. What can we do to make a difference? And so today with Gift Day, I want to share really quickly five practical things that every one of us can do that are really simple, that aren't going to like cost you the earth, that aren't going to be like, you know, anybody forcing you to do anything. But there are five things that, that you can start doing that will radically transform your relationship with your resources and also radically transform your relationship with God in the sense of being part of a church. Because what happens when we start to give is we move from being a spectator to being a participator. It changes the attitude of our hearts. So I preach this unashamedly as a pastor because what I'm trying to do with the church is encourage you to be the best version of yourself. And we know that, that all of us aspire to be generous. I mean, hands up who wants to be remembered for being generous. Or put it another way, put your hand up now if you want to be like on your gravestone that he was a miser. He was tight, but he was all right. Tight, but all right. That could be it. No, no all of us want to be remembered being kind and generous and making a difference, right? But how? Well, here are five ways I want to suggest tonight every one of us can begin. Number one, start somewhere. Start by giving by direct debit, like regularly monthly giving. And this is really, really helpful. Um, what, we, what we do as a church is we have a program of activity. We have homeless work we do. We have kids work we do. We have mentoring, youth, you name it. Lots of things going on. And it's so much more helpful if we can plan a bit like we do with our utility bills or our mobile phone contracts to give in a regular way. And so if you're part of the church community, and I'm really speaking to our members here tonight, I'd love to encourage you to move from being a spectator to being a participator by setting up like a direct debit or giving regularly. And you may say, well, the numbers are so big, I could never make a difference. It doesn't actually matter what you give. It matters how you give. The attitude of your heart. You could give one pound a month and you'll move from being a consumer to being a contributor. It'll change your relationship with the space that you're in today. You may say the numbers are so big. You know, actually, there are 364 people, families. It's actually a little bit more than that when you count spouses and the whole family. And the average regular monthly gift that's set up is 230 pounds. The smallest is just a few pounds. The numbers are less important 
than the attitude of committing to be part of something that's regular. Now, you may say, well, you know, I'm self-employed. I'm a freelancer. I don't have a regular income. I'm unemployed. I'm retired. I'm a student. Don't let me um, discourage you from starting somewhere. I mean, everyone can afford to give something. It could be time. It could be praying. Maybe you say, well, look, look, I buy a coffee every now and then. Could I set aside that money and I'm going to give that towards the work we're doing? So someone else can have a cup of tea at Lighthouse. Start somewhere. You know, I I often say this. People say to me, oh, you know, I I want to give, but I I find it really hard. My work is so unpredictable. And I'd say, well, you know, do you have a mobile phone? They say, yeah, I just got the new iPhone. You know, I have a monthly contract. I said, that's great. That's amazing. Congratulations. But I think, you know, could I encourage you to start thinking about giving regularly in the same way that you make a commitment to a phone company? Because this stuff is far more exciting than the latest iPhone. Amen? You know, we're going to see lives change. Incredible things are going to happen through what you do. And it's liberating. Nobody is under any compulsion to give. That's the principle of the New Testament. God doesn't force us to do anything. It's up to us how we respond. But something happens when we start to give in a disciplined way that breaks the power that money has over our lives. It's liberating. I love what John Tyson talked about at Focus this year. For those of us who are there, it was an amazing talk. He talked about five markers of revival. One of the things he said was, revival is always accompanied by radical, sacrificial generosity. That's what we're praying God will do. Another question you might have is, well, you know, how much should I give? Like, is it like a kind of base level, like a kind of bronze or like a platinum or gold? Like, where do you begin when it comes to giving with God? Well, the answer is this. In the Old Testament, there was like a strict law. There was, in fact, a law in the Old Testament that we had to give 10% of our income to support the work of God. It was called a tithe. But in the New Testament, Jesus kind of blew it all out the water. He said, you're no longer under law. Instead, everything now has been fulfilled in me, Jesus, and so now you're under grace. And what that really means is rather than 10% of our resources belonging to God, and we get to keep the rest of it, when you give your life to Jesus at the cross, what you're saying is everything I have belongs to you. My life, my ambitions, my time, my body, my dreams. But often the last bit of us to get converted is our bank account. It's strange, we want to hang on to that because we think somehow that's going to help us. But it already, when we died at the cross, when we gave our lives to Jesus, that bit of it is already in his hands. That's the message of the gospel. As one person put it, Christ didn't come to negate the law. He came to free us from the law so that we might exceed the law through grace. And so what you get in the New Testament is this radical, liberating theology of generosity. People are like, hey, you know what? Everything we have is the Lord's. All that we have is yours. So they want like 10%. We're, we're going we're to pray about everything we have. We should be praying about all that we do. And that's important. So it's up to you what you give. Let the Holy Spirit talk to you tonight about what you would give. And some of us might say, well, you know, 1% would be a radical number for me to give out of my income. That would be like, that would be huge. That's great. Some of you might say, well, 10% is nothing. I got, I got so much money. 
you know, I'm a Bitcoin king or whatever like the latest thing is. I, I don't know what to do with my money. In which case, decide what you do. It's up to you. It's not up to anyone else to tell you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you about what you do. But the point is, start somewhere. Don't procrastinate and rob yourself. Say, manana, manana, you know, when I've done the extension or when I've done the, uh, the when I've bought the Tesla, I'll, I'll do it then. Like, don't wait. Because generosity is a heart condition. So start today. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, helped millions of people out of poverty. When he was an old man, someone said to him, hey, what is the secret to your life? And he said this, and I find this so helpful. He said, for the last 80 years, God has had all there is of William Booth. I love that. So first, give regularly. Maybe set up a direct direct debit. You can do that right now. Second way to give is to give with friends, give as a connect group. And you know, I think everywhere you go today, people are talking about money. You can't turn on the news without people talking about money. We're on our fourth chance of this year. I mean, it's like crazy, right? Everywhere we go, people are obsessed with money and the finances of the nation. I think it's okay for us to have a conversation about money. We've got to break that taboo. In particular, a time when people are struggling with money. Like, if you look at the welcome desk at the back, we've got Jackie. Jackie is incredible. She is a KPMG partner and has given that up to come and help run the church stuff. But Jackie is like the wisest person when it comes to money. I know. And she runs a thing called the Money Course with a group of people who help people get their finances right. So if you want to go and find out about the Money Course, go talk to Jackie. It's not just people who want to get their finances sorted, but it's if like no one's ever shown you how to do a budget or like how to work out how to save, that's an incredible resource. If you're working out how to get out of debt, again, they will help you talk through that. And in fact, we have set up this autumn, a hardship fund that's going to mean if anybody is genuinely facing real, real hardship, the money course will help you sort that out. We've got grants available through what we're giving today, set aside to help people who are really, really struggling. So again, you can go find Jackie at the end and she'd love to chat to you. Third way is um, to go and visit the giving stand. So I've just mentioned that. Go see Jackie at the end. Um, if you have questions about like payroll giving, somebody for, um, who works in the tech industry has an employer who will be very well known to all of you, big tech company, and they match anything their employees give uh, they help them match. And their employer actually doesn't let them, anybody give to churches because they've got a bias or whatever. So they say, well, look, uh, if you give to a charity, so like Lighthouse is actually a charity that we do our homeless work through that lots of people's employers can match. So if you give a pound to Lighthouse, your employer can match that as well. So again, you can go and find out at the desk at the back how you can be involved. Or gift aid. Like if you want, if you're, want to know if you're eligible for gift aid, gift aid's brilliant. 25% of everything you give, we give today, the government will add on top of that. So if you give a pound, the government adds 25% on top of that. Fourth way to give courageously tonight is to stretch our giving. And this is basic economics. And like, I'm not an, econo- well, I'm not an economist, but um, I think right now anybody's an economist, right? We've all got so much chat about economics. But one of the things you'll know at the moment is inflation means that nothing is staying the same. So if you were giving £100 last year, in real terms, that's now worth about £90. Because the impact of inflation means that if we keep our giving the same, those of us who give regularly, it's actually decreasing. So what we try and do, my wife and I, each gift day, is to stretch our giving a little bit. So it might be like 5 or 10%, those of us who give regularly. Could we commit again to stretch our giving so that inflation doesn't rob us of our impact in these days? 
And then, fifthly, you might want to think about giving a one-off gift. And this is where it gets kind of fun. Uh, So, like, 50 pounds, for example, helps us buy an amazing hamper that we're going to give out at Christmas as part of the Love Christmas campaign that Lighthouse are involved in. So the idea is we build this amazing hamper, we take it to a family who otherwise wouldn't get any gifts at Christmas, and it's going to have really gorgeous things in it. And it's part of a national campaign. We're aiming to give a million hampers away across the UK with churches up and down the nation of every denomination, and we're playing our part here in Hackney. And like 50 pounds will help sponsor one of those hampers, gives people a really amazing Christmas who otherwise wouldn't be able to do that. Could you help with that? Or like 500 pounds, a 500 pound gift, I'm told, will help like buy more kids check-ins. You know, the check-ins, the kids' uh, work is growing week by week and well, they've had the laptop stolen, so that's, that's a start. But like, could you help with what's going on there? And then someone uh, this morning, um, yeah, th- this is amazing. So if you notice at the moment, um, our services as of last week have been getting busier and busier and busier. We've had eight or 900 people through the doors of church each week. We have 10 services now. We hit this moment last week where for the first time we said, look, we think we're running out of chairs across the same family of churches. That's a great problem to have. We literally are now, dr- we're now driving like truckloads of chairs around the different churches for events because we're running out of chairs across the churches. So um, I said this is morning I said you know if somebody wants to sponsor like adding another row of chairs I think that's about five thousand pounds and sure enough some this morning was like yep five thousand pounds check in the offering that's faith that's a vision to see this thing grow and that's going to enable us to make space for people as they come in the weeks and months and years ahead and so while we may give regularly, there might be a moment when like twice a year we talk about where we're going and think, okay, we're going to stretch out. So I'll be honest, my wife and I, um, we have this like panic moment every time it's Vision Sunday. And it's not like I don't know it's Vision Sunday because I'm the guy preaching. So it's like I have forewarning that it's happening. Um, now, we are not employed by saint, by the way. I'm a vicar in the Church of England. It means I'm employed by the church commissioners, actually. And so I get my stipend, which is like the salary I get. It's about £28,000 a year. And I get that regardless of whether anyone comes to church or not. So um, there you go. It's not like it's like, it's going to like, if we have 10,000 people here, I get a bonus. It doesn't really work like that. So I don't really, um, I can sort of say this quite objectively. What we try and do each um, time we have a gift day is we try and stretch our giving a little bit. And that's, um, you know, that's always quite scary. It's always a little bit hard. And a friend of mine said this to me, you you know, giving a good rule of thumb is if it feels like it's an ooh as you're writing your form, that's sacrificial giving. If it feels like it's, if it feels like it's, yeah, whatever, I'll just, you know, I can get away with that. That doesn't feel to me like it's cost me much. So my wife and I, we, we talked about, in fact, Liv like, texted me during the talk this morning, like we were, as, as I was speaking, she was like, remind me what we decided. So what we're trying to do this year is we're trying to stretch a little bit in our giving so that inflation doesn't eat it away. And we're also trying to give a one-off gift towards what's going on. Because we really believe in the vision of this church. Um, it's, you know, it's, I, I don't sort of, um, I, I'm not, I, I kind of am paid to say that, but I'm not paid to say that, if you know what I mean. I, you know, whether there's a church here or not, I'm still the vicar and I'll still be here, uh, regardless of whether saint has money in the bank account. That's the way the church of England works, which is very liberating for me. So the point is, I feel great freedom being able to say that we as a family find it incredibly liberating to do our giving here. We don't give anywhere else. And that's because, well, no one else is going to give to here apart from people who believe in what we're doing here, the members of this church. 
So we find that like in moments like this, stretching, being brave, being courageous helps us break the fear that finances can have in this season. And I don't want my life to be robbed by the kind of fear. I don't want fear to burgle my heart and leave me afraid to do all the things God's calling us to do. You know, I don't want to be that person who's like cynically like, yeah, whatever, I'm sure there's some big vault with bullion in it. I'll tell you, there's no vault with bullion on it, in it. You can see from our numbers, everything we get, we give away. And that's why Liv and I give here, because we so believe in the impact of what God is doing here. And imagine what could happen. I mean, this is really exciting. You know, I think of all these lives that are being impacted. You know, 440,045, well, I'm really bad at this, so I'm dyslexic. So whenever I start to read numbers out, it goes horribly wrong. So here we go. 440,451 meals fed through Lighthouse. That one meal on the end there is on this because it counts. You could give seven pounds and that could pay for that next meal. You know, the impact we can have is remarkable. Think of this, 459 people who attend Hey Baby each week. Most of them never walk through the door of a church. And we look at our groups, they're filling up. The kids' groups are filling up with families who are coming, and that's a sign that God is on the move. 11 leaders training to plant churches to get ordained, learning how to tackle burglars. I mean, they won't teach that at theological college. That's awesome. But that's what being part of this community does. So let me ask you the question tonight. What might God be calling you to do? How might you respond? Again, no one is under any compulsion. We're free. But what would it look like for us to lead in the area of generosity in this moment? Because let me tell you, have an impact on your heart. You can't help that. It'll mean that you're bringing something different when you walk in the room. If you're a generous person and you're not a slave to the fear of finances, it changes the dynamic, it changes the equation. It means that you, the impact your life can have is radically different. God wants us to be generous. He wants us to live our best lives. But the question is tonight, how might we respond? So I've done the talky bit. We've played the videos. I've given you handouts. Actually, the truth is the rest is entirely between you and God. That's the private bit. Uh, I was interested this morning, I have the um, Bible app on my, uh, my phone, and I don't know if um, anyone else has the Bible app, uh, but it's, it's amazing, I find it really helpful. And I was encouraged that the, the verse that came through this morning was this, it says in the Message Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says this, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop, a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. I found that such an encouragement. Out of all the verses in the Bible, when I woke up this morning, there is an encouragement that God is calling me to give what I've decided to give in my heart. So why don't we pray? And I'm simply going to ask, why don't the band come up and we're going to worship in a minute, but why don't we take a moment just privately between you and God. And again, if you're here for the first time, you're visiting, you are totally to treat this as like you would do the normal offering that happens in church each week. If you're visiting for another church, please prioritise that place where you live. Make that your place of giving. We want every local church to be built up. 
If you're watching online, I don't know, we have people watching around the world. Can I encourage you? We love your help, but, but please go to your local church. Give there. We want you to be blessing them. That's where we want people to give. But for us who call saint home, why don't we let the Holy Spirit speak to us tonight? So why don't we pray? And I'd love you just to close your eyes if that's not too, um, uh, well, it just gives everyone a bit of space. And Lord, we ask today that you would come and help each one of us overcome the fear of being prisoners to our finances and help us today to give courageously. Help us to give willingly and freely to what you're building. And Holy Spirit, we pray you'd speak to each one of us. And just now in the silence, just allow God to speak to you about how you might want to be involved. It might be he gives you a number. It might be you're actually, well, I'd love to give my heart. Someone wrote that on their card this morning. said, I'm not a regular churchgoer, but I would love to give my life. That's far more important than anything else. Maybe you're new to church and you're thinking, well, how can I be involved? This is a moment to start. So come, Holy Spirit, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, we're just going to keep a moment, eyes closed, and let God speak to you. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.